The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. Today, my guest is Michael Matucci. He is on a mission to bring awareness to the world about the sad and horrible truth of human trafficking, human trafficking in children particularly. Michael is going to ignite the truth, and today you're going to hear some shocking truths about human trafficking. Before we get into that, I want to remind everybody that if you are suffering from self-sabotage, if you are suffering from depression, from loneliness, there is help out there. Please reach out to someone and get the support that you need. There's so many good people out there, as you're going to find out from Michael. And one of the resources that you may want to turn to if you are a reader or if you like to listen to audiobooks, is my book called Take Control of Your Life. I highly recommend it, as do others, and it is helping to save lives, and hopefully it will help you or someone that you know. So without any further delay, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to Michael Matucci. Hello, Michael, and welcome to Inspire Us. Thank you so much. I love this name because I love inspiring people. Who are inspirational and inspire other people. So stoked to be here. Oh, I'm so glad that you are. And yeah, and you know what? We do have the ability to inspire one another. So why don't we do it? And I am so impressed by the work that you've been doing. You're a filmmaker, you create documentaries, you've examined some really important topics that I want to cover today. And I would like you to, if you would, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be where you are right now, Michael. Delighted. Yeah, my name is Michael Matucci, and I'm here on the planet to ignite the truth, the big truth of what's going on in our societies um, and who we really are, and to spark people onto their divine paths. Because when we are truly on our paths, then and living lives of purpose, then this world is going to shift so fast. And I've had such an experience um, coming into my own purpose um, that I used, I lived um, for eight years in different countries around the world outside of North America, uh, where I was born in New York, and got a sampling of a heck of a lot of what's happening from how things work on different socioeconomic levels and different communities, learning languages, crossing barriers and, and building bridges and uh, studying everything from Eastern philosophy to martial arts to later when I got back to the US quantum physics and, and, uh, and working with people using that. And uh, it was a divine call, which brought me, in my opinion, to, to film and uh, starting in acting in New York City. I had done a lot of stuff in front of the camera overseas. This was a whole nother level of commitment for me to actually learn the art and craft of acting, which I believe is essential to know thyself. And then going to Los Angeles, studying behind the camera, working with teams, having a production company, making ever more conscious films from uh, that, noticing that when we're, you spend so much energy making them, gosh, it's 
it's it's much more satisfactory and it's much more lasting to create something that has social meaning, has uh, impacts and assists nonprofits and people out there on the front lines. And before long, I was making them on my own with a camera shoved over my shoulder, didn't even know how to use it at the time, just invited to help out an Aboriginal tribe in Australia to get notice around some stuff that was happening to them. The government was trying to put a nuclear waste dump on very important land, extra waterways, and had infiltrated their group and a lot of a lot of conflict, a lot of, a lot of struggles. So I went to help them make a little piece. And that began my the when I had when I was there, I had a, a vision, a very clear vision. I should have been slowly gifted this this uh, this ability. And I saw everything I was doing in Hollywood uh, as background, as fuzzy, you know, blurry, and everything that was I was doing right then and there, even though I didn't know what I was doing. I was just there visiting and making this piece as very clear. And I instantly knew in that moment, this is my calling and slowly over the, over the succeeding months, I ended up moving away from the things I was doing, letting things go. Even when I got back to LA six months later after stops in, in New Zealand and a standing rock to be with the water protectors, I recognized I'm on my divine purpose. I understand what I'm here to do and I'm going to do it. Sold everything, gave everything else away and have continued ever since on a path of, of service. And it has been the biggest journey, even with all the other years of living in Asia and Europe and doing you know, incredible things, it's been the biggest and most bold adventure. And now I just love helping people remember that they have a huge adventure waiting for them. And that, that kind of fits into my filmmaking as well as the interpersonal work and speaking that I do. And I'm, I'm delighted to talk about it. Glad to be here today. I'm really glad that you are here today. You found your purpose and your mission, and your mission is one of servitude. I have watched your documentaries, and two in particular that I would like to talk about today, because I think they're, well, let me rephrase that. I don't think they are. I know they are very, very important issues, and, and awareness often leads to people picking up the mission to help serve others. So awareness is so important. One of the things that you did a documentary on, and I'm going to leave the link to your video in the show notes so that people can go and watch your different videos, but you talked about teens for sale. And I was wondering if you might be able to tell us more about that. A lot of people are not aware how much human trafficking in young people from the ages of 11 on that take place in their own neighborhoods. They're not aware of it. And so consequently, not being aware of it, they don't take up action to make a difference or to do something about it. Could you tell us about that? Delighted. Uh, after some exposure to the issue when I was first in New York and doing some marketing for a film and learning about the industry. And then when I was in Australia meeting some people that I came across who had been trafficked in the high level elite networks in Australia. I had been exposed. It was when I arrived to visit in Colorado three years ago that I met some people who were donors to a, a home, excuse me, a school for uh, recovered kids. So high school aged. And then they were asking about film. And I said, look, how about I make something for your gala? You know, let you have a gala coming up. I'll help you make some help you facilitate fundraising and share some of your messaging. And that was my really true making that film and hearing people reacting to me when I just talked about it before they even seen the video 
which now has over a half million views and I did very little marketing for that. It's been like, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to be here. It's my time now. And I've taken it on as a mission after that to make, what can I do that's unique to make an impact? So I started studying with the activists and advocates and um, law enforcement, and most especially the those with lived experience that emerged from sexual slavery and are now on the front lines of the movement and with whom I hope to make a, a full-blown television series, docu-series with them. And what I learned is many, many things. I'll, I'll try to give a couple points to, to at least to Teams for Sale, and then we can let you ask some more questions, mm -hmm. is that the, uh, the target age is right around that. So depending on the stats, stats can be very different depending on where you're getting them from because it's so clandestine. It's so away from, uh, so still far from understanding when it comes to the whole scope. The, so between nine and 13 is the average age that people are getting in. So they'll traffic newborns. Uh, it is from newborns to young adults um, are embroiled in this. And it is, depending on, again, on the stats, um, somewhere between 300, roughly 300,000 kids on the above ground stuff, then there's the below ground. But we'll say the commonly shared stats are around 300 and then about uh, a million adults. So an adult, between the difference between a kid and adults, 24 hours. I mean, you're 18 uh, and you've been trafficked for five years. You're, you know, it's a whole different story than this idea that somehow they're choosing this lifestyle. So it is, uh, it happens in about 24, 25 different ways um, in America that are stated. There are, there are many, that's human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And it happens principally to our American youth. So 90% of those trafficked are sex trafficked, that is, are Americans. And it's happening right in front of our faces. It's happening, if you turn on pornography, you're watching sex trafficking, almost certainly. If you watch more than one video, you're certainly watching sex trafficking. And it's happening on the streets. It's happening in, um, in strip clubs. It's happening in a variety of places that have gotten normalized. Um, and thought to be this part of society when we're now uh, recognizing that, well, it's been recognized, I started recognizing that this is a part of the, this has become a part of the fabric of society, happens in every zip code in, in Canada or postal code or in every zip code in the United States. And actually the United States is the biggest buyer of sex in the world. So um, the first thing we do is have a chance to look at what we are, what are we doing? right now what has i like to look at what does this all mean for our world why is this happening now what we what can we do about it and why is it relevant to see the average person on the street and how are they actually participating to the energy and the patterns that lead to it and what we can do about it and i feel that's part of my mission to bring those messages especially through the voices by uplifting the voices of those with lived experience those on the front lines so that they they're they can be heard because they're the ones with the um the, the most amazing stories of transformation and the most detailed understanding of what is really going on on our streets in our homes in hotels at truck stops and many other places in our continent 
Yes, very true. Their voices, when they when they speak, they must be heard. And we've got to listen. We've got to learn. We've got to take action to fight against human trafficking. What are some of the ways that children are lured or groomed into trafficking? I would imagine that some people, some parents actually, would be responsible for that, and whereas others would have no idea. Would you be able to give us just a few ideas about that? Yeah, you know, there, there are many different ways. Now, especially probably the last year, it's, they're likely to have filtered down. So the kids in the communities, it would be social media and video games. Instant, there's instant messaging when they're online, they're approached and it's astounding. I have law enforcement friends who will do stings for online predators and they will put up an ad with a, a nondescript ad, nothing sexy about it, just 11 year old girl or 13 year old girl, boy too. And because uh, almost half of the kids traffic now are boys and uh, they sometimes will get, it will be minutes, minutes before they, they start getting flooded with perverse messages, with predatory messages, minutes, not every time, but many times. It is a wide open field. It is more pervasive through uh, foster care. So it's the children that we've ignored as society, or we think as society that we solve this because they've run away or something's happened at home. And so we've placed them in collectively in foster care or child protective services, which are actually, yes, they have probably have many wonderful individuals in there, but if we're looking at a funnel for it, that's perhaps the biggest. When we're talking about kids that have come um, from the homes and they, nothing, they hadn't yet been trafficked because half of the kids trafficked are trafficked by their family members or family friends. So that's a, that's a whole other piece and a very important large piece that um, if to look at the overall picture, like how are they getting? Well, they're born into families that are, believe it's on some level that that is helping them, that it's their rights or they have to make money or whatever the belief system is that's leading to that. And they are getting, um, they're getting traffic to their, their own families. I have two really powerful um, friends who are frontliners and, and, and most have made it through the situations who are trafficked by one by her father, one by her grandfather since the age of four until their late teens. So this is a, and how, where, do you, where do you go to intercept that, right? Mm -hmm. It's a whole different story than at least we have an online ad and then there's a, there's a clearly someone who's acting as a pimp and there's someone being sold and it's very out there because they require getting in touch with people when there's a lot of stuff happening in our neighborhoods, in our communities by people who have whole different objectives. And um, yeah, it's a pretty wide panorama. Yes, it is. And uh, yeah, there's so many facets to this, uh, very disturbing facets to this. Uh, for our listeners who are paying attention to this real big problem. You mentioned uh, social media, online presence, your children that you allow to play with these video, uh, these video games or going on social media, unsupervised are very potentially going to be targeted. Uh, what are some of the things that, that a caregiver, a parent can do to minimize that risk? 
Well, there, there are tools um, that enable parents to mirror phones, uh, mirror the devices on their devices, if they feel obliged to give them social media. Now, remember, if you draw back one level, you got to say, well, why are they even on social media? Um, I talk to parents, well, it's a social pressure. All their friends are on it. The friends have the phones and all that. And, you know, we can talk about the different portals. I like to talk about what's beneath that. Where has the parent abjugated their responsibility um, or have turned to their own, um, their own needs, their own requirements instead of those of their children? And ultimately the child's going there because they're looking for entertainment. They're looking for validation. They're looking for love. They're looking for connection. And if they had that, when they have that, it's a lot, it's a lot more, you know, a lot less likely that they're going to spend hours and hours on these platforms in the first place. So um, I recommend to parents, yes, be vigilant about that. And is it really in your child's best interest to be playing multiple hours of video games per day, even if these predators weren't on there. You know, this idea that they're somehow helping kids and all this kind of stuff is, I've found to be very contrary to the truth and the same with social media. Um, and I get it, there are the realities of being at home and you're busy and these types of things. Uh, at the same time, I would say, this is an opportunity to feel into what you're really doing as a parent. And maybe that there are ways to enrich those relationships and maybe there are ways to grow your community and get support through friends, through, through extended family and so forth to start building the networks, the, the neighborhoods that we used to have, the connective tissue that used to bring people together on a regular basis and look at that and look at how I'm showing up in the world. And you know, what are, what is the, how's the parent um, showing an example? Like what's your relationship like? What's your relationship like with your significant other or, or um, those you're intimate with? And how is that showing up? And your child is learning from every relationship or the relationship that's most present to them. Is that one that gives them an idea of what love can be? Or is it confirming and reaffirming the narrative that's been put through television, films, and pornography, which is very reduced, uh, simplified, transactional, and highly um sex focused um that all those things are have a place at the same time what do you, what kind of example are you setting and uh what can you do differently because ultimately the kids are this is where i go into my transformation work and um i love to to bring this awareness forth the kids are our mirror the kids are an absolute mirror of the parents now you know maybe you heard how people mirror each other you know yes. The kids, because they're interlocked with DNA, and when they're, especially when they're smaller, say preteen to, and, and, and child, they are exact mirrors of the parents. Whatever's going on with the kid is going on in the parent, or there's something that they're witnessing and uh, they're reacting to. So it really comes back to, am I doing my own self-work? What kind of example am I being as a parent? And I'm also, you know, also refers to all of us as adults because all kids are our kids in my opinion. And what are we doing in our lives that have a lot that have opened them up? Yes, to the predatory part, but also that all of the stuff, all of the being receptive to the luring, receptive to the grooming. Because a kid who's in his will or in her will, a kid who's strong, who's been taught to, to, to follow their instincts and follow feelings and stand up for themselves and stand up for their bodies, 
have a much more, it's much more difficult. I mean, those predators have, they're just like, I'll just go to the next one. Like the person who may have experienced a sexual, even an adult, they say, I think it's a very high number of the uh, sexual assaults would be stopped or a high number are stopped when someone just starts screaming. But there's so much time when they just go with it because they're in freeze mode or they're in fawn mode or in something instead of just being like, no. I mean, have you taught your child clear, loving boundaries? Do you yourself know clear, loving boundaries, right? So it really comes back to how we're showing up. And then, yes, also looking at mechanisms where and in keeping our relationships in groups and in groups that are supportive and empowering and looking to be, I mean, there's so much more I could keep going, but I'll just put a button on it and just say, ultimately, as well as your communication, how good is your communication with your child? And I'm talking about true, honest, heart-to-heart -heart communication. Is there a space where your child can share without fear of being judged, punished, or scorned in some way? Is there a space where they feel really heard? Not because you're the parent and you asked for it. Not because that's the right thing to do. I mean, have you been, have you opened up that, that, that two-way, two-way loving, divine loving relationship where they can feel they can share the most squeamish of things, you know, that's happened with them or they're noticing in the world and, and you're just, and you're going to be there in love and support, even if it does require some consequences at the same time, they know that they're still loved. So those are a handful of things to reflect upon. And I sense that uh, a lot of, a lot of opportunities for us all to grow and uh, as well as to protect our children and empower them better in the process. Wow. You've given all of us so much to think about. It is so true. The relationship that a parent has with their children are, is so important. And number one, to be more of a parent, uh, you have to police what your children are doing at a young age because they're not certain themselves. To them, they don't understand all the dangers of getting online at a young age and being open to being targeted. So the very powerful message there is to, to be the parent, to, to set those boundaries and those guidelines. Uh, another thing that I, well, everything that you said, I absolutely loved. You also spoke about the importance of teaching your child safe boundaries and to stand up for themselves and to speak out and to say no that is so important in the overall development of our children. And it is one of those things that we can do to help protect them when we're not around, is to give them the right to say no and to challenge when things don't feel right and when they're not right, is to stand up for themselves. Your point about, I worked in the sexual assault unit, as you know, for many years, and you're right many of those sexual assaults could have been prevented had the child spoken up, had the child pushed the other individual away, been strong in their voice, and just left. A lot of that could have been prevented. Yeah, you're touching on so many key points that I'm hoping that every one of our listeners is listening to right now. If there is someone, Michael, at this point, if there is a victim of sexual abuse or of human trafficking listening to this podcast, and they're listening intently because they're there, they're being trafficked, they're being abused. What message would you give that child? How could you encourage that child to, to take a step in 
being protected and helping them to be protected? Wow, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> so interesting. The first thing that I would I like that person to know is that you are loved, that you are an important part of our community, that you are, you have unique, you have a unique reason to be on the earth and it has something much grander to do than what you've been forced to do or told you had to do or told that that's what you're good at, that there are very advanced levels of mind control, manipulation that people use to control other people, especially in this place as well as others. And recognize that if there's a fire in you for something different, even if your situation feels the most familiar, and even if changing that situation feels a little scary because of whatever might happen in the uncertain world and maybe people have really failed you, that there are people who legitimately and authentically do care about your well-being. Now, they may not yell you. It doesn't matter. There are people. There are many people who care about the situation so deeply, and they are out there looking in general for people. And when you stand up and make yourself known, you can find help and you can find solace. And even more than that, I have met, for me, some of the most inspirational people in my life <laughs> that have escaped, moved on from it, have healed a great deal, have been become mothers of, uh, of wonderful families and fathers of wonderful families and are now using that ex very experience to teach recover, to nourish, to assist, to make legislation, to do different things to shift this issue. And there's, there's, they are just spectacular. And when you emerge from this and move through and do the work and re be received by your community, and it could still be a bumpy road, but I'll tell you, that they are some of the most dynamic and amazing people that I have ever met. And that that is also in you. It is also in you. And it, it may take some risk to get out of that. At the same time, there's so much more waiting for you. Michael, that was so powerful. And to anyone who is listening to this, if you are in that situation, boy or girl, know that there are people out there that will help find a trusted adult and go beyond your fear because as Michael has so wonderfully pointed out, you are loved and you, you matter, you mean something. And so there are people who will help. And I so concur with you, Michael, I've met some very dynamic people who were once victims and who have become power survivors because they chose no longer to become a victim. They chose to become the survivors and the forces behind so much good. And I, I thank you, Michael, 
from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show and sharing this. I wish I could talk to you all day. And, and you know what, we're going to have another conversation if that's all right with you. Cause I, yeah. I would really love to have a conversation with you about your other wonderful video, a hope for the homeless. Again, people in need and people who find themselves on the streets, not by choice, often not by choice. Nobody really chooses to become homeless. Hey, when I grow up, I'm going to become, become homeless. I'm going to need food and, and clothing and, and shelter. That's not the case. So if you would consider coming back, you're so well-spoken and I admire the work that you're doing. You're a voice that is helping so many people through your film and through your public speaking. You could get my attention for the full day. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart again for coming on my show and for sharing your story, your insights with all our audience. And thank you. Hey, it's my pleasure. And we also hold weekly conversations on Clubhouse uh, in my group called The Guardians. And if you feel a guardian inside of you, then please come join the conversation. We have lived experience experts, frontliners, people work who have been working through foster care, people who have been working around many different industries that, are, that impact children. And are really we're having a kind of weekly meeting at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 Pacific on Mondays on Clubhouse. So please, please join us. I will be joining you because we speak the same language. Uh, you and I are, are connected, my friend. And yes, I would be happy to. I am going to leave. Well, I'm going to have your bio uh, available in the show notes, as well as the different links. And I'm going to encourage everybody to, to really connect with you. And uh, is there one way specifically that's best to connect with you, Michael, to ask you to speak or to ask you for help or, or anything? Is there, is there a way that you would prefer for people to reach out to you? Yeah, I started using Instagram. So I'm welcome. Uh, I welcome that. I'm still getting, getting, around, getting used to that <laughs> a little bit. I'm more of a creator. I like making big films and you know, moving into, you know, from doing films and doing some videos and now moving into TV. And I also, um, so I'm playing with that. So Michael Matucci is my handle, but, and you can also, if you're on my website, throw me a contact through that site as well. There's also a take part link. If you choose to get involved in this movement and I am crafting, I am building up a, a healing and spiritual army um, because this is going to take a lot of people to shift this issue. So I'm bringing together the guardians there on Clubhouse and through Instagram. So uh, yeah, fire me uh, a line. I'm delighted to hear from you. We certainly will. And thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.